Hey friends, this is Andy Storch, and I'm excited to announce that we are bringing the Talent Development Think Tank Conference back on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. Yes, you might remember we hosted this conference for the first time in January 2020, and it was a huge hit with everyone telling us it was the best conference they ever attended. And of course, we were looking forward to running it again in 2021 until the pandemic hit. That's when I launched the Talent Development Think Tank membership community, and that's been going strong since May of 2020. But I know how valuable it is to get people together in person, and that's why we are excited to be bringing the conference back again on February 22nd and 23rd in Sonoma, California. I'm committed to making this a highly engaging and interactive event where you can connect, learn, and grow together with other talent development professionals. This is going to be the best event out there in talent development, and I would love to see you there. If you want to find more information and get your tickets today, the website is tdtt.us conference. That's tdtt.us slash conference. I hope to see you there. Welcome to the Talent Development Hot Seat, a show where I interview business executives, talent development professionals, and thought leaders to find out what has been successful and challenging in the world of talent development. My objective is to share ideas, valuable lessons, tools, advice, and trends. My hope is that all of this will ultimately help you, the listener, expand your knowledge, grow your career, and accelerate your success as a talent development professional. Welcome back to the Talent Development Hot Seat. I am your host, Andy Storch, and I am excited that you are joining me today for an interview with Kelly Palmer. And Kelly is on a mission to change the way the world learns. A well-known thought leader on learning, business, and career development, she is currently on the executive team of Degreed and was formerly the chief learning officer of LinkedIn. Prior to LinkedIn, Kelly was vice president of learning at Yahoo and held executive positions in learning, M&A, and product development and Sun Microsystems. Kelly is the co-author of the book, The Expertise Economy, How the Smartest Companies Use Learning to Engage, Compete, and Succeed. And she speaks regularly at companies and business conferences around the world and has been featured in publications like Harvard Business Review, The Financial Times, Forbes, and Entrepreneur Magazine, among others. I am excited to have her on here today. Welcome, Kelly, to the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thanks, Andy. It's so great to be here with you today. Yeah, really good to have you on. As I was saying before we started recording, um, I feel like I've known about you and followed some of your work for many years. Um, We have many connections in common, and this is the first time we're getting a chance to speak. And uh, with this podcast being all about talent development and especially understanding what people are doing in different companies, I think you have a, a great and unique perspective having held very senior roles at uh, cutting edge companies like LinkedIn and Yahoo, and then now having the, the opportunity to work with companies, all kinds of companies who are changing the way they do talent development and thinking about the, the future of work. So really good to have you on. Yeah, it's, it's uh, excited to talk to you about all these uh, emerging trends that are, that are happening in our field right now. Awesome. Well, I love talking trends. Uh, Before we get into those, I thought we could start with your background and have you share a little bit more of how you got to where you are today. Sure. Well, I've been in Silicon Valley my whole career. And, you know, as you mentioned, I started out at Sun Microsystems where I wasn't actually in learning. I actually spent many years in 
product development and then moved into corporate strategy and had this epiphany kind of midway through my career that that I really wanted to be doing something that I felt could have more impact on the world and that I felt personally passionate about. So I made a career shift about 15 years ago into the world of learning. And it's just been amazing. I actually got an opportunity to move into learning at Sun Microsystems under a woman named Carrie Williard, who is now the chief learning officer at Visa, but also was at SuccessFactors and SAP. And uh, learned a lot from that first experience in the learning organization at Sun, where we actually had a revenue generating component of our of our business. And we were actually in global sales and service as a business unit, even though we were also doing employee talent development. So that was kind of an interesting experience. And then from there, um, when Oracle bought Sun in 2010, I moved to Yahoo. And there, I think we, we have a few people in common and was really thinking more about technology and how technology could enable learning in a better way. Because I noticed when I entered the field, how antiquated learning felt in some ways. So starting with Sun and then moving to Yahoo, you know, really exploring ways that technology could really drive uh, learning for all employees and not just a select few. Then I was recruited to LinkedIn in 2012 with this amazing opportunity to start a learning organization from the ground up where my team and I actually developed a learning platform called LearnIn, which is all about uh, personalized and social and collaborative learning. And then finally, about a little over two years ago, I joined uh, Degreed, which is an education technology platform that really is opening up a new paradigm of, of how people think about learning and building skills for the future. And that, so that's kind of been my career journey. And I have to say, there's probably never been a more exciting time to be in, in the learning field right now, given all the, all the things that are happening in the world of work. If you work in talent development, you know that your job has become more important than ever. The problem is there's so much uncertainty and noise out in the business world and things are changing so fast, it's hard to know where to go and what tools and resources to use to solve your problems. That's why I recently launched the Talent Development Think Tank community as a central and safe place to access information, ask questions, and talk with other L&D professionals like you so that you can achieve your goals and accelerate your career. Join today to get instant access to our online platform and community of ambitious, helpful talent development professionals who understand your world and can help you solve your problems. Right now, I'm offering 25% off the subscription price to podcast listeners. Just go to talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT for 25% off. That's talentdevelopmentthinktank.com and use code HOTSEAT. Thanks, and on to the episode. I agree with you 100%. There are so many great things going on, so many opportunities, and so much of a need. And in fact, you know, employees, if you think, look at the younger generation of workers that are asking more and more, getting more vocal about asking for career development and professional development and, and wanting those things. So if you're in HR or talent development, you have such a great opportunity to really make a difference today. But it's probably also really important to stay on top of trends and understand what's going on because we can't just keep doing things the way we did things in the past, I would assume. No, that's absolutely right. And, and you know, in the book, 
that you mentioned, I co-wrote with our co-founder and executive chairman of Degree, David Blake. We talk about these trends that are happening in the workforce and how dramatically they're changing the world of work and really how we need to think about learning. And so I'd say those three trends are around automation, you know, the fact that more and more things are becoming automated in the world of work, uh, digitization, meaning that I don't think there's a company I've talked to uh, globally that's not going through some sort of digital transformation. And then lastly, acceleration, you know, how fast things are happening in the world of work right now. So if you take all of those trends in the workforce, you have to realize that we can't keep doing learning the way we've been doing it for the past several decades. It's no longer can be uh, command and control and lecture-based learning in classrooms, things are just moving too fast. And to your point, Andy, you know, this fact that the fact that millennials, I know when I was at LinkedIn, we had 70% millennials, it's probably more now that, you know, that's just not the way people learn nowadays. So, you know, this idea that we could actually create learning the way people really learn, like if you go home today and you think about learning something new. How do you learn? And usually people will say, oh, well, I, I Google or I watch YouTube videos or I listen to podcasts like yours. Those are the ways people learn now. You know, why are we not doing more of that in the world of work? We do something different at work than we do when we actually go home and want to learn. So I think that's a pretty big trend that we're seeing. I, I'm wondering, I'm curious, are you seeing similar things when you talk to talent development leaders as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, you talked about automation. I think we all see that everywhere and how that's that's coming. I, I like to, to look at the trends in that and, and tell people that uh, my kids who are pretty young will probably never drive a car because they'll be completely automated by the time they, they get old enough, right? So automation is changing the way everything is being done in business. Every company is going through some form of a digital transformation. Every company I come across, you know, I do a lot of client work with different companies across different industries and we see that all the time, companies saying, well, we used to be a paper company or a car company or a benefits company, but now we're a, we're a technology company that happens to do those things, right? Right. And then the acceleration, I, I love to talk about that as well. And a quote I heard on that recently that I love is that the rate of change is faster than it has ever been before. And it's also uh, slower than it will ever be in the future. And so it's just accelerating faster and faster to your point. And so we've got to be able to adapt. Otherwise, we're going to be left behind. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. I, mean, I remember when I first started in the learning field at Sun, and we used to think we had to create all of our own content. And that's just kind of the way it was. And it took some time to actually design and develop things and then to, to uh, roll them out to employees or customers. And now if you think about that, that timeline and think about it in terms of product development too. I mean, you can't wait that long for people to get learning that they need uh, just because of that rate of change that's happening. And, and so how do we solve that problem? I think that's one of the, the biggest challenges of our time. Totally. And things have definitely changed since then. But I wanted to ask you about Sun because maybe just because of the circles I run in and because I worked at BTS, which I know did a lot of work with Sun back in, in those days. But um, I feel like I've heard that that learning organization that you worked in was so cutting edge and, and produced so many great, so much great talent that went on to other organizations. What was it about Sun and that organization that you were in that was different from other companies and the way they were doing things? Yeah, I think Sun was in many ways way before its time. I mean, we were doing remote working 
back then and it was the norm. And we were also experimenting with a lot of different technologies, realizing that technology really could help people learn in different ways. So we structured things so that we had a revenue generating learning business, but we had an innovation arm of our learning business. And we also had our own technology arm of the organization. And I think that really enabled us to experiment and try new things. Uh, So we tried things with gamification and back then uh, wikis and blogs. And we actually built a video platform that after Oracle bought us, it was uh, spun off into a separate company that was eventually then bought by uh, SuccessFactors and then SAP. This idea of innovation that you can try things and see if they stick, you can iterate and even I think we, even though we weren't using the term agile development back then, that's how we were treating it. It's like, let's try some things. Let's see what sticks. Let's get feedback. Let's iterate and see how technology can really make new things possible. And I think we were all in that mindset that, wow, there's so much opportunity that we can have around this. Let's, let's see how much innovation we can actually do while keeping the business running. And you're right. A lot of my peers have gone on to be CLOs of, of major companies as well. And a lot of the people that were working for me are now running learning organizations in different companies around, around the globe. So that's pretty uh, satisfying to, to see. Yeah, really cool. I mean, you you belong to a great cohort and, and a group of alumni that have come out and done some pretty big things, like you said. I want to ask you also about your your time at LinkedIn because uh, such a rare opportunity to create a new learning organization and work for a company that was growing so fast. I think it went from 2,000 to 11,000 employees while you were working there. What was that like? That's right. I mean, the the opportunity I had at LinkedIn was so unique. It's one of the reasons I jumped at the chance to to work there. I, I'd say, you know, it was um, in hyper growth mode when I joined. And so 2000 people and we were, we couldn't hire people fast enough. And people, you know, when I first joined LinkedIn, I would say globally, if I would ask people if they knew LinkedIn, we weren't as nearly as well known as we are today. So this opportunity that we had to grow the company and uh, really create something special was there. And for a learning leader to be able to start a learning organization from the ground up and to imagine what learning could actually be and then make it a reality was what was there. So I, I did. I, I, I grew a learning organization from scratch. I actually did something kind of unique in that I hired a small development team to build a learner-centric learning platform as one of the major initiatives. And then I started hiring people with kind of non-traditional skills, people that had data analytics skills or uh, learn. I created a new job called the learner experience uh, designers rather than instructional designers and had marketing and PR people in there so that we could actually treat learning as a product and promote what we were doing. So it was a fantastic opportunity. And I think we did a lot of innovative learning work, including the platform there. 
This episode of the Talent Development Hot Seat is sponsored by Advantage Performance Group. Advantage is the first place to call when you need leaders to lead, sellers to sell, and your business to flourish. We specialize in connecting companies with exceptional learning solutions to help them turn strategy into action and get their people doing the best work of their lives. We're also providing tons of great content on a weekly basis. In fact, we recently launched a great webinar series that has been going on weekly with content such as creating a culture of multipliers, gender equity, Liz Weissman's webinar on helping rid the world of bad bosses. We have a new webinar from Brent Snow on decision-making. We have a webinar on multipliers and how to use multipliers during troubled times, calming the storm. We have a webinar from our partner, Julie Winkle Giulioni on developing in place how to continue your growth during remote working. And a webinar from Paul Middleton on the secret sauce for learning in the flow of work plus many more, just head to our website at advantageperformance.com. Click on free resources and you'll find the link to webinars and all of our other insights and resources there. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. Yeah. So you had uh, such a unique opportunity there to create this new learning organization and uh, took a very innovative approach to creating this platform. And I know I've had a couple different people on from LinkedIn recently and know that they have a very innovative approach to creating a, a complete culture of learning so that you know all the leaders there are involved in creating different components and classes and programs and they use micro learning and journeys and all kinds of different things and it sounds like uh, a lot of that had its, its beginnings in um, your tenure there as CLO. Yeah, it's, I think that they continue to do some really cool and innovative things at LinkedIn. And yeah, I was really excited to be a part of kind of kicking that that off. So yeah, it was it was great. Cool. Well, I mean, LinkedIn is a fantastic company. You had a great ride there. And then you made this move to Degreed, which is still in the learning space, but sort of on the other side of things, right? Now you're helping companies instead of being on the inside. So why did you ultimately decide to make that move? I think it's really interesting. And and what I saw was possible with our internal learning platform at LinkedIn was helping our employees there, right? To over, you know, 10,000 employees at LinkedIn were on that journey using that platform. And I had an opportunity to meet David Blake, who's the co-founder and our exec chairman and my co-author of the book. And when I met him, I realized that we had very similar visions for what learning could be. And yet I was doing it for one company and his vision was to do it for an industry. So um, that was my uh, desire to move to Degreed was to say, look, this is a, a shift in the industry and imagine being able to influence companies around the globe and help them understand how powerful technology can be in creating your learning strategy. So Degreed is, you know, is that. It's, it's about helping people understand that the old models don't really work and how can we create uh, a place where people can discover, track, and measure all of their learning learning and kind of broaden the definition of what we mean by learning. So I mentioned earlier, you know, it's like when people read articles or books or go to events or listen to podcasts, we traditionally haven't really seen that as part of the portfolio of what we consider learning. 
but I think it all is. And I think more and more learning in the flow of work, as uh, Josh Burson likes to say, is, is really key. It's like people don't want to leave their work to go sit in a classroom to learn stuff to then come back and apply it on the job. Instead, they want learning when they need it and also to see that they're building skills and getting better for the future. So it's not about just learning, but tying learning to building skills so that you can feel your careers. And I think that's the real goal is people want to want to fuel their careers. So how can they do that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that uh, learning. People are learning differently, right? And to your point earlier, um, when people go home and they want to learn how to fix their washing machine, they go on YouTube or they Google it, whatever it is. And if they want to learn something at work, they want to be able to do this, uh, similar things and get that stuff on demand oftentimes. Uh, and so they are often learning in the flow of work, as you said. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Josh Burson and his work. And he's going to be speaking at our conference later this year. Uh, but going back to what you're doing at Degreed, you're really working with companies to provide those abilities to them, right? And I forgive me for not being completely familiar, but are you providing the content? Where's a lot of the content coming from? Oh, that's a really interesting question because we don't provide content, but what we do instead, and and it's kind of, it's going beyond the LMS. So, right, traditionally learning organizations would say, I'm creating a strategy. We're going to create classroom learning, e-learning, and then have an, a learning management system to, to help us administer it all. And the new paradigm of learning is about saying, look, you have a learning ecosystem and how do you make it? So like most companies, if you ask people, where, where do you go for learning? They might say, oh, well, we've got uh, an intranet and we've got a, an LMS and we've got a bunch of SharePoint sites and oh, we have some content libraries and it's kind of all over the place. And so Degreed allows you to bring all of that together in one learning ecosystem. And we're kind of the layer that sits on top of your content libraries, your LMS, your video platform, your HRIS system. And one of the reasons we do that is so that you can get all the data from all of those sources. So although we don't create our own, any of our own content at Degreed or provide content, we integrate closely with like LinkedIn Learning and their lynda.com content and Pluralsight and the hundreds of and thousands of providers that provide content online for free. And so if you can imagine that you get maybe like a Spotify experience, do you use Spotify by chance, Andy? Every single day. Right. Okay. So how cool is that, that a technology that's around music can understand what music you're listening to and what you like, and then can serve up playlists for you based on what it learned that you like and, and suggestions about what you might like. So that's what's built into Degreed is machine learning and artificial intelligence that actually helps serve up content and playlists from the variety of sources that, that you have, whether that be content that you create yourself or that's free or that's paid content. And then you get data and analytics about, from a personal point of view, what am I learning? What skills am I building? And from an organizational and a group view, you can look at what skills does my company have? What skills do they need? What learning are we providing so that they can do that? And then you can look at that from a group an individual level as well. So that's that's kind of the big picture view of that. Yeah, I, I like that. And uh, I do find in my conversations with talent leaders recently, one of the needs that comes up or challenges is, you know, how do we measure what 
learners need and what's going to be the right next step for them. And they're looking for that solution that's based in AI or machine learning, as you mentioned, something that can make that recommendation that can tell you, you know, like with Spotify, Spotify knows what I like to listen to and makes generally pretty good recommendations. Every now and then it's a miss, right? But uh, a lot of times they know what I want to listen to and makes recommendations based on that and even tells me all the things that I did listen to last year, uh, which is always a fun exercise at the beginning of the year. So it sounds like you're able to do that with learning in organizations, right? Yes. And the other thing I think that's really important is it's not just about online content. That's a, a huge part of it, and it, but it's not the only part. I think people mistake that, yeah. you know, when you say technology and online learning, that it's all about that. But there's still places where in-person learning can be incredibly powerful. And then you can use your platform your, to actually have reinforcements or to do pre-work or post-work on learning skills. So say if you have a management development program and you want to give people some books or articles to look at before you actually go to the in-person program. It's not lecture-based. It's actually cohort-based where you're actually practicing things. And then when you leave that program, then you actually have resources online that you can refer to that actually either help you practice or apply those skills or reinforce the knowledge that you had. I think technology can be part of your strategy, but it's one component of it. And that's one of the things that we talk about in the book is how important so many other components are to having a complete and really amazing learning strategy. So for example, you can have the best technology in the world, but if you don't have a learning culture in your company, and if you're not encouraging people to learn and build skills all the time, that's going to be kind of tough, you know, for them to feel like they can take time out for learning or to be using technology. And then there's components like um, what's your content strategy? That That's key along with your technology strategy. Do you really understand how people are learning and how they're motivated to learn? I think that's a really key part of your strategy. So we devote chapters in the book to each of these components that I think are critical to an overall learning strategy for the future. And, you know, when you think about technology, degrees one a platform that can really help with that. But we also talk about other technologies that can help with uh, cohort-based learning or practice-based learning that can integrate into your technology ecosystem so that you actually have a really complete and compelling learning strategy, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely. And I can see how that can be uh, a key component. And I'm glad you mentioned the importance of uh, classroom or in-person learning, something I'm still a big proponent of. And most of the the content that I provide to clients is experiential in-person learning, although we're getting into more uh, digital and virtual content because that's what people want, right? But we still want it to be highly engaging and experiential because if it's boring like the old the old school e-learning, if you will, people are not going to consume it or it may not be you know applicable or, or really necessary or or helpful for them and their jobs. So we want to provide that. But yeah, all of those those modes uh, modalities are necessary. When you think about this, future of work and where things are going. You And you talked about your book and you mentioned, uh, of course, automation, digitalization, and acceleration. You know, What other big changes do you see coming and how people are working and, and how do we prepare for that? Well, I think I'd say that the biggest thing is, is that, and probably the biggest challenge of our time right now, with all those trends going on, companies need 
to think about upskilling and reskilling their workforce because there's not an industry in the world that isn't being impacted by these trends that we just talked about. And so how do companies put together skilling strategies? And we really haven't thought about learning in that way I think so much in the past, we've been thinking about how do we grow and develop our managers or how do we provide professional development to our employees? But have we really thought about what skill, one question we ask in the book that I think is pretty compelling is if you ask any CEO out there and ask them, do you know if your employees have the skills that they need to help your company be successful in the future? I guess that um, most CEOs can't answer that question. But even more surprisingly, if you ask any organization leader the same question, ask your VP of engineering or your, your chief marketing officer, do you have the skills in your organization that will help you succeed in the future? I'm not sure that people know. And then ask yourself, do I have the skills that I need that are going to help me be relevant in the future? And I think that asking those simple questions and reframing learning in terms of the skills we have versus the skills we need can help us start on this strategy of what should your upskilling and reskilling strategy be at your at your company. And I love to give the example of Unilever and what Tim Munden, their CLO, is doing there. Because what he's doing is he's working with the CHRO and the CEO of the company to say, look, we're going to put together a skills strategy that's not a separate learning strategy, but it's actually built into the business strategy of the company. It's one of the things that they think is going to help them be most successful moving forward is to understand, are people getting the skills that they need to help not only themselves, but the company succeeds. So it's kind of a two-pronged approach. Yeah, I can definitely see that. And work is changing and jobs are changing. I hear a lot about how the jobs we do now will be completely different in five or 10 years. And we don't even know what that's going to look like, but it will require a lot of upskilling and reskilling. As you mentioned, when you think about where that's going, you know, you, your company is called Degreed. And it makes me think, what happens with you know, higher education as we see it now, do you think companies will require or be looking for college degrees as much as they do now? Or will it be more about on-the-job training or certain certifications that have been created by other organizations? So I think it's going to be a combination of that. What we're seeing now, and we write about a few universities, for example, University of Oregon has this amazing public relations program in their journalism department where they're actually helping people prepare better for the real world of work. And that's one of the biggest challenges, right? Are universities really preparing students for the real world of work? And in this example we give, we talk about them actually partnering students up with real companies in their senior year to do real projects um, while they're learning. So it kind of like an internship, but actually during their, their part of their school program. And so if we see universities start to think about learning that way, more uh, skill-based rather than curriculum-based and helping uh, prepare students for the real world of work, I think that that's where it's going. But think about the challenge that we have right now. We, we know that student most companies feel like students aren't really prepared for the real world of work, yet when they actually, they graduate and they get in the, 
the real world of work, their degree only suffices so much. And if you think about, we often ask this question, tell me about your education. And if you tell me you went to, uh, you know, you got a degree in economics 10 years ago or 15 years ago, how relevant is that degree to the work that you're doing now? So this idea that degree can help, that regardless of whether you have a degree or not, and I still think a college degree is really important, you're going to need to be building skills beyond your degree for the entirety of your career. Like we need to be learning and building new skills, especially now and in the future, Continuously. And I think that universities are realizing that and moving more towards skill based, competency based uh, models that can then translate into what companies need. So, yeah, these are the skills this person has, and this is how applicable it will be to the company that they're applying for. And if we talk more in the currency of skills, then I think we can be talking the same language from universities to companies. So, I think that's where it's headed. I totally, I get that. And I agree. I think that it is going to be about the skills that you bring and your potential to learn new skills. And it may, the degree may not be as important uh, or it might be important to start, but people need to think about how are they continuing to develop and uh, hone their skills, acquire new skills, update their skills as they go on. You know, that's always been important in certain professions, like being an accountant or a doctor that you have to, you know, take certain professional courses or hours each year to stay up to date on your certification. But in most other careers, it's, it's not really an official requirement. But I can see businesses more and more looking at that to saying, okay, what have you been doing to develop yourself? What have you been doing to develop new skills? Because that degree you got 20 years ago is irrelevant. And the work you even did 5 years ago is so different from what we're doing now that we need to know that you can handle this new way of working. Exactly. And oftentimes I say, if you're a hiring manager and if you, I'd say that one of the most important skills people can have is learning agility. And what I mean by that is the curiosity and the motivation to continually learn new things. And so if you're a hiring manager and you want to know if somebody has learning agility, ask them, what did you learn last week, last month, last year. And and if they're struggling to answer that, you might know whether they're a lifelong learner and really value learning new things. And the other thing I, I think is really important and maybe interesting to people listening is if we just look at our own industry, the learning industry and the skills we now need for the future that we might not have had. So I got my master's degree back in you know, the 2000s. And, you know, I learned a lot about education technology and I learned a lot about adult learning theory. But think about the roles that are changing given the technology and, and how the world of learning and work is changing. So when I was at LinkedIn, for example, we started hiring instead of traditional instructional designers, we started hiring learning experience professionals, people who could do a little bit of coding, who knew how to tell a compelling story, who who could think about design thinking. We also hired, you know, people with data and analytics skills and marketing and PR skills. You know, think about all the skills that we now need in order for a learning strategy to be really incredibly effective. Those are new skills. And I think we if we think about even upskilling and reskilling the people in our own industry, that's a microcosm of of the rest of the functions or the rest of the world of work that also need to upskill and reskill in every area. So that's the challenge that's facing us in the future. 
Absolutely. I can totally see it. And um, I'm sure there are a lot of people nodding their heads, listening, thinking, okay, we've got to definitely start thinking about how to prepare for this. I know that you and your organization can help and your book uh, has some great content about this. Um, For anybody that wants to go learn more, uh, are there any other books or TED Talks or you know content that you recommend beyond your own? Yeah, so there's a, a couple that come to mind. I, I love the the work by Todd Rose. He's the director of the Mind, Brain, and Education uh, Department at Harvard, and he's also running some personalized learning. I don't know if it's cohorts or classes, or he, he he's the first one I've talked to that's actually has a discipline about a personalized learning, which I think is fascinating. He wrote two books that I would recommend, highly recommend both of them. The first one that I was inspired by is called The End of Average. And just talking about how this one size fits all in terms of learning and career development, just aren't really working and they never really did if you really dive deeper into it. So that's The End of Average by Todd Rose. The second book he wrote um, that just came out recently is called Dark Horse and how it's, it dives deeper into this notion of a, the fallacy of a standardized career path and looking at people who have been incredibly successful in their careers, but not by following a standard career path, but by in fact doing the opposite. So those two books and the work that Todd Rose is doing is I highly recommend people to check out. Very cool. Those were not on my radar before. I'll have to check those out. Last question for you, Kelly, for anyone listening in a talent development role uh, who is looking for a way to accelerate their career and, and maybe get to that next level, what's one more piece of advice you would give to them? Well, I think we touched on it briefly, but I think that really understanding the bigger landscape around the world of work and learning is critical and for people in the talent development space to be the models for what we're asking other people to be. You know, if we want other people to be upskilling and reskilling and thinking about their career aspirations and what skills they might need to either get better at the job that they have or to think about what job they might want in the future, look at what other people are doing. And this is another kind of plug for degree, but there's many ways to do this, but look at what other people are doing in the industry. If there's someone you admire, look at what they're learning, see what skills they're building, and that can give people an idea of what they need to do next. And clearly, I think being a talent in talent development requires more skills and more knowledge about technology and about analytics and the motivation behind why people learn. And so the learning science, I guess I would say. And so for those people who want to really excel in the future of this field, I think those are areas that they at least need to have some knowledge of and keep learning about AI and robotics as well. I think artificial intelligence and machine learning are gonna play a huge part in the future of everything we do in this field. And so if you don't understand what machine learning is, I think it's a great opportunity to say, hey, I need to go learn more about that so I know how it applies to my, to my field and how it can help further the field of, of learning and talent development in the future. 
Yes, absolutely. I mean, really staying on top of trends, continuing to learn and, and investigate what's going to be happening in the future and start finding ways to update your own skills and, and help your people update theirs. Uh, Kelly, this has been great for anybody listening that wants to get in touch with you or maybe find out how to start working with Degreed. Where's the best place for them to go? What should they do? Right. So you can go to uh, Degreed.com to learn more about uh, what we do at Degreed. If you want more information about the book that David Blake and I co-wrote called The Expertise Economy, How the Smartest Companies Use Learning to Engage, Compete, and Succeed, we have a website called uh, theexpertiseeconomy.com. And you can also find that on Amazon as well. And then if you want to connect with David or I, um, feel free to connect with us on LinkedIn. Great. That's the, that's the place to be. That's where I spend all my time every day. And I think that's how we connected as well. So that's right. <laughs> that company still needs to be going strong. The, the platform is solid. Uh, well, Kelly, this has been fantastic. Um, very eye-opening and, and valuable for me. And I think it has been for our listeners as well. So thank you again for coming on the Talent Development Hot Seat. Thanks, Andy. It's been my pleasure. All right. Take care. If you're looking for a place to connect with colleagues and peers from your industry and find out what other people in talent development are working on, you need to check out the brand new Talent Development Think Tank membership community. Inside, we have members from companies all over the world who are working on all different things in talent development and sharing what's been working, what's been not working, and answering each other's questions so we can all get our jobs done more effectively and be more successful in our careers. If you'd like to join us, we'd love to have you. Just head on over to tdtt.us slash community, and you can use code HOTSEAT for 25% off your subscription. That's tdtt.us slash community and use code HOTSEAT for a limited time for 25% off your subscription. If you have any questions, reach out to me and let me know and we'll see you there. Thanks for listening to the Talent Development Hot Seat. If you got value out of this show, please subscribe, leave a review and share with your colleagues and friends. We want to spread the word and add as much value to the talent development community as possible. And we need your help. As always, you can find more information and connect with me at talentdevelopmenthotseat.com. Take care.